So I can't repeat because of time, but if you didn't hear November the 3rd, please would you listen to it again or listen to it for the first time. Maybe you've listened to it, but you want to refresh yourself. These are very important messages. I can't repeat anything I said on the 3rd, but I shared, I shared basically the introduction about leading up to how we're talking about Hebron, the season of overlap that we're in right now. We're overlapping from 19 to 20. Hebron starts, Lord, I told you last time that God said it's a season. It's not a building but it contains a building. Hebron is a season that starts next year. We're in the overlapping of that. That's why we're talking about it now. Praise the Lord. And uh, 17 was a year of speaking. 18 was a year of starting. 19 was a year of settling. We talked about that. I believe you already know that. He said 20 is a year of takeoff. It's a new season, a new time. And he said to me that 15 years is a parallel from David's life to yours. You don't try to create a parallel on your own. Otherwise you get into numerology and strange things. But when God speaks to you supernaturally and divinely, you can take what he says. And he said that parallel with David when he started, when he was first anointed by Samuel, if you study, and I have exhaustively, I've studied uh, the different calendars. There's a Gregorian calendar. There's different calendars, Jewish calendars. But if you study it, all of them agree. They don't all agree on the exact year that it started and ended. They have discrepancies on when the year was, but they all agree it was 15 years. So there was a 15-year period from the time he was anointed of Samuel to the time that he became king and sat on the throne of Hebron. In that 15 years, of course, he was partly taking care of the sheep. He was helping Saul. He was his armor bearer. He killed Goliath. He was chief over the army. He was having war. He was Saul's number one. He, he was, became his son-in-law. He married his daughter. Remember all of that happened? Then Saul's heart turns, tries to kill him. Then he runs and now he goes to the caves of Adullam and then he goes to Ziglag and he's in the season of hiding while he waits for Saul to basically end out his life. Then on Saul and Mount Geboa with his son, the Philistines kill them. The man comes and tells David, David says, do you not have any fear of God that you would lift your sword against the Lord's anointed king? He knows that he's the anointed king, yeah. but he still recognized even though this guy's Saul's heart's not right, he's still in this role. Yeah, and don't you touch that anointing. People that touch the anointing, even on ministers that are wrong, God will deal with you. When that minister was wrong and the group was talking to Dad Hagen and, they were, and they, were, they were judging him. And Dad Hagen wasn't even involved in the accusation. He was just listening. And the Lord dealt with him. Jesus was stern with him. And he said, who do you think you are to speak against my servant? He said, Lord, I didn't even say anything about him. They were saying it. And he said, by the fact that you stood and listened, you gave your agreement. Wow. And he said, I hold you responsible because you agreed with them. I hold you responsible as though you said what they said. You better be careful who you're talking to and what they're talking about ministers because just your presence in the conversation, God will hold you responsible. As if you said it, even though you didn't. He's very serious. Even when ministers are wrong, you don't talk about them. You don't touch them. You don't accuse them. You don't slander them. You don't try to hurt them. You don't try to rise people up against them to hurt them. Even David, when the minister was wrong, this case Saul was God's minister. And even then he says, did you have no fear? The guy's wrong, but you still touched him and David killed him. Yeah. Well, as one of his young men killed him. The youth ministry got into action. <laughs> the young people. And God says he took a youth and told him, fall upon him with the sword. He had to train the young people. Yeah. You think that's a joke? Yeah. Why do you think God recorded that? Yeah. God was training youth. Yeah. about honor. Yes. You train the young people. You don't do honor, this is what happens. Cut his head off. Yeah. Yeah. Let all the youth group bear witness <laughs> that we believe in honor. Yeah. 
Yeah, and right. even if you touch the anointing on somebody that is in rebellion, God, God will deal with you. Yeah. Sure the young people need to understand about honor. Yes, he was training the next generation. That's why he had the youth pastor stand up and do it. Praise God. Amen. So now he's coming into Jenny, a new season called Hebron. And he's stepping out of Ziglag. And he's now going to be the king. And so I was sharing with you last time some of those thoughts and how I misinterpreted the phrase sitting down on some things. I thought it meant the building. I thought it was this year. Remember, that was two weeks ago. I can't repeat it all, but you can listen to it. How the Lord said, no, that season of sitting down on some things is, represents Hebron when he sat down on the throne. The building represents Hebron. It's included in Hebron. You'll take possession of the building next year. This year is all still part of the preparation phase. Stop being stressed about the building. Stop worrying about it. Because I was. But I know it will come to pass next year in the name of Jesus. I know all the money will come in. Isn't that amazing, Reverend Taylor, that even, even though I was misinterpreting that phrase, sitting down, thinking it was for now, pressing for the building for now, even if we had got everything we needed from the owner, we still couldn't do the building now. Because we're 400,000 short. So even from a natural perspective, from a financial perspective, it wasn't the right time. But it's all going to come together. It's all coming together because God is into divine seasons. Uh, God establishes things and sets things in certain times. You can't rush it. You just got to be in, in the right time at the right place. So now he's giving us foreknowledge and for, he's not forewarning because it's not a warning, but he's giving us insight into the future to tell us this is what's coming. You're stepping into this thing. As his 15 years came to an end, so you say, how did that work with you? Well, in 2004, there was an anointing that came on me when Dr. Dufresne pulled me out and talked about the church like an anthill and people coming by the thousands. That was like Samuel's private anointing. That was like a private anointing from a prophet. It was private because nobody knew me. Nobody in the entire building knew me except the senior pastor because I was going down to be a missionary and I was meeting with him about moving to Peru. That's the only reason I was there. It was like a private, even though it was a public, but it was private. And then, of course, then six years later in 2010, uh, that was a private anointing. Now a public anointing came. Dr. Dufresne sees the mantle come down, the roof of the building it disappears. We're all facing that way. We hadn't, we hadn't put the stage here yet. And he sees the open vision of a mantle coming down. See, God anointed us privately. And then six years later, he anointed us publicly because he was waiting in those six years for me to get positioned. Then I got positioned and that anointing publicly came. Are you with me? Then six more years of, are we going to handle it right? Are we going to pray about it right? Are we going to talk about it right? Are we going to show honor for it? We passed that qualification test. That took us from 10 to 16. Then 17, he started talking about some stuff, speaking. And 18, he started some things. He told us about the building. We started the Israel. We started the Delaware. We started the Africa. All these things started. 19 this year, there's been a lot of settling. We went to Africa for the first time. I'm going to Israel in a, in a, in a few weeks for, for the first time to preach. We're, 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 the building, the money is starting to come in. The things are getting settled, not naturally just, but spiritually as well. This has been a season of settling. Now, I interpreted the settling being sitting down. That's how you can misinterpret things. You can, it's so easy to misinterpret. I've learned, I'm learning. When God says something, just take what he says and don't add anything and don't take anything away from it and don't go, oh, I'm sure that means this. Because sometimes you may be right, but sometimes you may be wrong. And I have made some mistakes in the past by doing that. And, some, and I know some of the mistakes which I won't tell you publicly. Why would I tar and feather myself? <laughs> I know some of the mistakes I've made because God's been revealing them to me to prepare me for next year and that some changes may have to be made. 
And some of the stuff he says, you don't have to publicly change it. Uh, you missed the timing of it, but it's okay. I'm going to take care of it, and nobody will even know the difference. Yeah. And other stuff, he says, no, you need to stop that and change that, because if you keep going, I can't just reroute you and get you, and nobody knows the difference. If you keep going, you're going to get off. So some stuff, there's going to have to be some changes and some other things, maybe not so much. But see, I'm learning not to take more than what he says. What, hear what he says and don't add or take away anything. And if you don't know what he says because it's too vague, pray until he says it more clearly. Don't just put your interpretation on it. That's what I did about the settling. I thought, well, if I'm settling, then I'm sitting down. But he didn't say the sitting down was for this year. He said the sitting down was for on the throne of Hebron, which is next year. It's all symbolic. So you with me on all that? Yes. Now he says these words, and this is where I'm, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. <laughs> I just, I like it. I don't know how the song goes, but I'm so excited. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he, I'm going to share with you seven things about what he said Hebron holds. He told me seven things Hebron holds. Then I believe we'll have time today. I'm going to get into the transition from Hebron to Jerusalem because he told me some stuff about, the, about what Jerusalem holds, but it's still connected to Hebron. And then he told me seven things that Jerusalem holds. So uh, I didn't try to make it like, okay, Lord, you've given me five. Let's add two more so we can get to the number seven because <laughs> seven is a number of perfection. Some people do that. They'll just add stuff. God only told them three things, but they add it now to get to seven because they want seven things. I don't do that. If he doesn't tell me the seven things, I don't, I don't add anything more. But he told me seven things for Hebron, and he told me seven things for Jerusalem. Can I share them with you? Yes. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, of course... Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1 is all about the man coming and telling him that Saul had been killed. And David strikes him down. The, young, the youth pastor strikes him down. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 2, uh, we start in verse 1. And it came to pass after this. In other words, Saul's dead. The messenger's dead. The crown is in his hand. He's now, the, he's now to be the king. So that's what this means. The previous chapter with all that transition. David inquired of the Lord saying. Notice he inquired. He didn't just go. He inquired. That's what I have been doing. I've been inquiring of the Lord. What a, where am I to go in 2020? You said it's a new season. Where am I to go? Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, go up. Notice he didn't just pick a city. David said, where shall I go up? It wasn't enough to just know he had to go up. He needed to know where. See how specific he was? And God said unto Hebron. So David went up thither and his two wives also, uh, Anioam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite, and his men that were with him, did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. So you see here, David went up, verse 1, and then his men went up with him in verse 3. Uh, I haven't got to the first of seven yet, but I'm just saying this as a, as a preface. Uh, it's not enough for me to go up. If David didn't have his men go up, he wouldn't have, he's not really king. I mean, he's king because there's other people that he's ruling over, not just a few people that are with him in Ziglag. But my point is that it wasn't just David, it was the people were in unity with him and they didn't stay back in Ziglag, they went with him to the new phase. The whole congregation has to come with me. 
We have to come in the same heart, in the same mind, and in unity to say, Father, there's a new season upon our church corporately. That also means, listen to me, there's a new season upon my life personally. I know this is not a typical teaching where I teach you the Bible about how to live victoriously. And believe me, I don't know if you've been praying for me or not, but it's such revelation that's been flowing into me lately. I got some dynamite messages for you when this series is over. I mean, that will flip your wigs. I mean, I'm t- I mean, if it's my wig, I don't even have a wig. But it, it's blessed me so much. I've got some wonderful stuff to share with you in the weeks and months to come. And I love it when I just get to teach you uh, the word and just a sermon, a good pastoral, maybe prophetic-edged sermon, but still a sermon how to teach you to live your life right with God. But the Lord said in this season right now, take a few messages on Sunday morning and share with them the vision. But even as I'm sharing the vision of the future, don't tune out and just say, well, it's only about the corporate church. No, anything that is spoken corporately, you can also apply personally. So if you'll listen to the corporate principles that I'm giving you, grab a hold of it and say, Lord, if the church is moving into it and I am the church, the church is not 140 Capitol Court. I am the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the ecclesia. I am the called out one. I am the body of Christ. I may be a tiny part, but I'm still part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of this local church called Promise of Life in Mississauga, Ontario. If the church is moving corporately and I'm part of the church, I have a right to move personally. If this affects the church corporately, it should affect my marriage, my children, my finances. It should affect me personally. So as I'm sharing these things, pull, extract the personal um, application. Can you do that? So now the Lord said this to me when I was reading verse three about his men going up, the Lord said this to me. I'm quoting anyone in your church as a child of the manto and a child of Hebron. That's how he phrased it. A child of Hebron. He's never, he's never called it the child of Ziglag. Because no. Ziglag wasn't something to be promoted. It was a temporary passing by place. And it was a place of preparation and in many ways pain and obscurity. But Hebron is a place of, of prominence. Hebron is a place of increase. Hebron is a place of glory. Hebron is a place of destiny. This is where he sits down. and I'm telling you, we're coming as a church into our place of destiny. Corporately and privately. Now he called it the children of Hebron. He's never says that phrase to me before. He said that to me uh, when I was in the cabin there on the, on, the, on the 8th of August at two, between two and six in the morning for four hours, I, I was fellowshipping with him. And for part of that time, he talked with me. And so I repeat that. He said, anyone in your church as a child of the Manto and a child of Hebron can claim these things if they choose to. Notice he said, if they choose to, they're not going to fall on you as ripe apples off a tree. They're going to happen on this church corporately because I am demanding that they do and I'm calling for it. And hopefully you're calling for it with me. But it won't happen personally for you unless you choose to claim it. You have to choose to do it. That's why I'm saying watch for the personal applications now. Number one, found in 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 4. And the men of Judah came and they, there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead were they which had buried Saul. Okay, because Saul had died. David wanted to know that Saul's had been taken care of appropriately. And so they, they were just saying that these certain men took care of him. We don't have to get into that. But the main part is the first part. And the men of Judah came and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. They anointed him king. Now remember, it, the, the, the nation is divided into two groups, Israel and Judah. Israel is the northern part. Judah is the southern part. 
Judah has basically about 10 tribes, right, Reverend Dan? And Israel has two, Ephraim and Manasseh, because they're half tribes, and uh, Benjamin. And the rest of the ones are down south. Now, the ones down south are with David. That's called Judah. The ones up north is with Saul. Saul's dead now, but we're not going to get into it. But later in the chapter, basically Abner, which was Saul's chief captain of his army, Abner takes Saul's son and sets him on the throne of Israel, which is the northern two tribes, three tribes, okay? So they have their, their under Saul's reign still. David is in the south. Under Judah is under his. The majority of people are under David, but not all of the people are under David because there's still, now you're going to hear me say some stuff, so pay attention. Uh, I hope it will all come out today. Some of it will come out next Sunday. But there was disunity yeah. Yeah. amongst the nation. Yeah. And Hebron was a season of bringing unity. And the Lord said to me, one of the main things that is going to happen starting in 2020 and forward, as you go through these years of Hebron, and I'll get to how long it is in a little bit, but he said there is going to come, there has to come a stronger level of unity amongst the church, your church, the people in this church, because you can't fulfill what I've called you to do when you're scattered, when you're fighting against each other, when there's strife, when there's jealousy. Do you understand? So there was, a, there was a season of time where he was in Hebron. He was still king. He was still fulfilling his destiny. But his main destiny was Jerusalem, not Hebron. The main event was Jerusalem. 33 years was Jerusalem. Okay, the majority of his ministry. Only a short period of time was he in Hebron. He was still stepping into a totally new season. He was now king. He wasn't a king in Ziglag. He was coming into this new thing. He's, a, he's now a king in Hebron. We're now children of Hebron. We're coming into this new phase. But there was, a, there was a, something happened here in this time where he was anointed in this phase. And he brought unity to the nation. So we see here, verse 4, what I'm trying to get over to you is that there was an anointing that came on him. Okay, so point number one is this. Point number one is about the anointing. This is the first thing he said about Hebron. He was anointed as king. He sat down in a seat of authority and he ruled. And his authority was expanded. He now wasn't just authority over Ziglag and a few men, a few hundred men. Now he has authority over an entire nation and he's now king. Do you understand there's a change that's happened? Now, of course, these changes are things of the spirit. For him, they were things of the natural. The Lord said to me, now for this church, he said, more authority in the realm of the spirit is going to be granted. Just like he sat down, you're going to sit down. There was authority. The anointing came on him and a fresh anointing is coming on you. His authority in his natural realm grew because now it was Ziglag versus the whole nation. Your authority in the realm of the spirit as a church is going to change. I don't know if you're listening, but that's what he said. So there was a, so this first point is as he's anointed Jenny, he sits down in authority, but a fresh anointing came on him. Yeah. Do you understand? Private anointing was Samuel. Now a fresh anointing for kingship. Mm. Now look at the parallel with us. Private anointing in Tabru with Dr. Dufresne. Public anointing 2010 in this building. But both those kind of are the beginnings. One was private, one was public. David only had one. He had Samuel. We had two. We had a private in Peru and a public here in front of everybody. Yeah. But they still are part of that first measure of the anointing. In the Ziglag, in the pre-Hebron years, yeah. do you understand? Mm -hmm. Now he comes in, he sits down as a king, a fresh anointing comes on him. Mm 
And you can read that with me uh, because there it says there, and they anointed, verse 4, they anointed, the men of Judah came down and they anointed King David king over the house of Judah. So they poured the anointing oil from the horn of the prophet over onto him. Remember at that point, Samuel had died and it was um, Nathan that was the prophet. This is a special ceremony. That anointing oil was the most expensive substance in the kingdom. It was, it was a, I won't get into all of it, I've studied it, but it was a very unique blend. It was, nobody had, nobody could have that special blend of anointing oil and spices except the prophet. It was never used except for kingship. And that's why you see the parallel when that lady took the alabaster box, which cost her a year's wages, and poured it over Jesus' feet. She was anointing him, he said, unto my burial. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, remember he came as triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on the riding on the donkey and they were putting the palm. See, that was the entrance of a king. And as the king was anointed by the prophet and as he would enter into his kingdom, everybody could smell him. There's a whole fascinating study I won't get into today, obviously, but it's called the smell of the king. The king wasn't just with a scepter and a crown and a robe. There was a smell that came with the king, and the only one that had that smell was the king. Because it came with a certain anointing, a fragrance, an, an aura, a presence around him, a fragrance around him came because of that special anointing oil that was only reserved for pouring on the head of a king. That's why when Jesus came on that donkey and he rode by, they didn't just see him, they didn't just call out to him, but they could smell him as he went by because that, that anointing, that, that special alabaster fragrance was still on his garment. It was still, it, if you studied, it was so potent, it would have been smelled for up to a month later. It was very, you think Febreze is good. I mean, this stuff is, is different. Orgain washing detergent, you know how they, they sniff it and then they smile. This anointing stuff, you could smell it for weeks later. Jesus would have rode in as the king, the king, smelling like a king. See, because when that anointing comes on us spiritually, there is an atmosphere. There's a fragrance around us. There's an aura around us when we're under the anointing. In the natural, it was a physical anointing with a smell. In the spiritual, it's a spiritual anointing with this energy field of power around us. Isn't that wonderful? So they anointed him king with this special anointing oil. He smelled like a king. They gave him a robe. They would have given him some form of a scepter. They would have given him some form of a throne because a king has to sit down somewhere. And so all of this happened. He was anointed to sit. That fragrance came on him, a fresh anointing, not just Samuel's anointing. A fresh anointing came on him and he sat down in divine authority. And that's the parallel God gave me. He said, it's not just what happened in Peru. It's not just what happened in 2010. That was Samuel's anointing. He said, now as you come into this, you're going to see a fresh anointing is going to come on you. A fresh fragrance is going to come. A fresh aura is going to come. And you're going to sit down with greater authority. So the first point is both anointing and authority because they go together. When the anointing increases, the authority increases. Now that just doesn't apply to me as the pastor and to this church in the realm of the spirit, but it also applies to you. If you're smart, if I were you, I'd say, Father, I'm part of the church. If you said that a fresh anointing is coming on pastor, I'm expecting a fresh anointing to come on me. If you said his authority will go further in the realm of the spirit as he sits down on that divine authority, so to speak, I'm expecting my authority to go further. I'm expecting my prayers to get answered stronger. I'm expecting that I'll be more skillful in the things of the spirit because that anointing includes greater authority. And that means that anointing comes on me and that authority is going to grow in my life too. When I command a thing, it shall obey me. 
When I decree a thing, it shall come to pass. And there's going to be a tangible increase from next season to this season. Partly because of the revelation we're getting, but partly because it's the time. God has set certain times. Now, if you don't claim it, nothing's going to change for you. You'll just go into next year, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months into next year, you're going to be exactly the same as you are today. And you're going to say, ah, that didn't work. That's because you didn't do nothing about it. But if you honor it and you, take you, you show reverence for it and you start to speak about it, you start to talk about it. When you're at lunch, you start to say, you know what? You know what? Uh, you're talking to your dad. You're talking to your wife. You're talking to your friends. You know what the pastor said? I just, I just feel like I need to tell you guys publicly. That anointing come on him. That anointing come on me. That means I'm going to have greater authority. My authority is going to grow. I receive that. I'm going to sit down on some things. That fresh anointing is coming on me. I'm going to notice a tangible difference in how I pray when I command things and how, and how they obey me. There's going to be a difference coming on me next year. If you'll receive it, it will work for you. Praise God. Okay. Number two, he said this to me. Praise God. He said, a king, I don't, I don't have a scripture for this, but he said it to me. I don't need a scripture for everything. But he said, a king has more publicity. Number one was authority and anointing. Number two is publicity. Not as obscure and hidden as the zigzag phase. Now as a king, he's reigning in a public fashion. Everybody knows. And the Lord said, I don't exactly know what he means by this. And I don't want to put my interpretation on it. But he said, promise of life in many ways has been more obscure and hidden. He said, but in this new season, it will be the beginnings of. Beginnings doesn't mean the end of. It means the beginnings, whatever that means. He said, in this new season of Hebron. See, Hebron lasts some time. So I'm not expecting it to happen January 1st. But it's, it's the beginnings of a more public season in the ministry. And I believe that he's getting us ready for television. He didn't say television would come, but I believe television is a part of that. I believe there's coming more a, the, uh, the season of obscurity and in the shadows where nobody knows us is, is going to start to end. Yeah. I don't want to say too much and I don't want to say wrong and I don't want to say in pride or in arrogance or anything like that. Because believe me, I have no ambition for this. He told me this. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. He said the season of obscurity came to an end and a more public role began. And he said, you're, you're, it's going to start to happen. It's going to start to happen. Even, even, even with other ministers. And I, I could say, but I won't. I, I, don't, I feel restrained, so I won't. But even with other ministers, there's some stuff that's going on with certain ministers that are communicating with me, that are asking me to travel with them, that are asking me to connect with them more, that are asking me to come and preach in places that I never thought I'd be asked to preach. Uh, that's all part of the publicity of this. Uh, the, the, the season of obscurity is beginning to end and the season of more of a public something. Now, God does not put you publicly if you haven't passed tests privately. Yeah. It took 15 years and many years before that. He doesn't promote without knowing you're ready to be promoted. But that, in other words, that season of publicity is really a season of promotion. Yes. It's coming. Amen. Number three, he, he acquired a place. I don't have a scripture for this, but it's obvious to know. Any king can't be a king without some kind of a throne room. It might not have been an ornate throne room like in Jerusalem. It would have been very ornate. But, not, but in Hebron, there was a place that he had to sit and pass judgment or he wouldn't be a king. So we know there had to be a place to rule and reign from, a place of his throne, and this speaks of the building. I shared a little bit of it last Sunday with you, but let me just say, remind you again, there were caves. That was, there was no money. It was just loaned, like it was just given to him. Not even given to him, he just went there. I mean, it's caves. No, he doesn't get permission to be in the caves. It's just, 
no money and there's no payment. There's nothing. It's just a season. That's the lowest level. And of course, when we were in the, the home, my home and Lorraine's and, and Wayne's home, there was no money changed hands. It was free. There was no rent. It was just a season of starting, just like, just like the caves of Adullam. Then he goes from there, there's other places in between, but the next main one is Ziglag. Ziglag represents this building because he loaned it. He, 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 the guy, the Philistine king, Akish, gave him that, but, and, and there, was, there was a contract given there, and he exchanged services. I don't know if he always did money. He might have. The Bible doesn't really say. But we know that he fought for Akish in war, which was his payment for staying in Ziglag. So it was, he, he gave, services were rendered. Remember then a Ziglag said, and then Akish said, you can't go and fight. He was supposed to fight against Saul in that last battle of, uh, when, when Saul died. He was on the payroll of Akish's war, warriors. But he didn't go because Akish said, how do I not know that you'll turn your heart and you'll fight for Saul and against me halfway through the battle. So he said, you stay home. But he, but otherwise he would have been in that battle. That would have been very, very strange for him fighting against his own blood brother, Jonathan. So I think he was probably very relieved that he didn't have to do that. And it was in that battle that he died. Saul died. And then all of this starts out in second Samuel chapter two. So we know there was serve, money or services rendered. Was for, there was a, a payment, some kind of payment for Ziglag. And in this, but it was not ownership. He didn't own it. Akish owned it. This building is a dual meaning. This building, the season of this building up until now, from 2000, when did we move in, Lorraine? 2010, March. Probably, it's going to probably happen March or April next year. So from 2010 to 2020, look at that. Almost exactly 10 years. I didn't think about that till right now, but almost exactly 10 years, we've been in a season renting the building with services rendered. We're not fighting for Bob, but we're paying him rent. But there's still a service rendered. There's still a payment plan because we've been in a renting phase. But now he goes from Seglag to Hebron. Now he ain't renting from no Philistine. Now he owns it. Now, even though we're physically in the same location, that's what the Lord said to me. This building has a dual meaning. For a season of about 10 years, you rented it from a Philistine, an unsaved man, and you paid for it. But now you're coming into a new season of ownership. This new season of ownership is where you may be in the same physical location, but now you don't, the Philistine, Akish, in our case, Bob, he's not in the picture anymore. He's not in the driver's seat. He can't do, tell us whatever he wants to tell us. Now we're the boss. And I'm telling you, now, if you listen to me, it'll, it'll help you. There's an ownership. I'm talking about businesses. Take the same parallel. For this ministry, the business of this ministry, the corporation of this ministry, there's an ownership coming in property. Amen. If you own a business, there, there's an increase coming. Take that parallel for however you want it. Maybe you need offices. Maybe you need something in your business, but take that parallel. I'm not talking about personal. I'm talking about your business parallel. It, for, for, even if you work for somebody, claim it for your workplace. Lord, there's an increase coming corporately for the church to own and to be promoted and prospered in this season. I claim that for the, my boss and for who I work for, that this, this company will take off because the, if the anointing is coming on the church in a business capacity, the anointing can come on my boss for his business. And if you have a business, whether it's a side business or whether it's your primary income, start to call that. Remember the Lord said, any child of Hebron can claim this if they choose to. 
but you have to choose to. Lord, I claim that anointing on my business. I claim, I, I claim it that it goes from a cottage industry to a major industry. The anointing is coming on our business side of this ministry for ownership. That takes money. I believe the anointing will come on your business. Is going to be an increase coming next year? Praise God. If you want to take it, you can take it. It will work for you if you choose to. I tell you, it worked for me because I choose to. Maybe I'm more excited because God actually spoke it to me. You're hearing it second party through me to you. But you don't have, if the Holy Ghost is bearing witness with your spirit, what I'm telling you, then it's the same as God telling you. You're just hearing it from me, but he's bearing witness. That means he's saying it on the inside. That's it. That's right. You do that now. You claim you got that little business. Now start to believe my anointing is coming on that business. Some of you that have considered starting businesses, now's the time. I'm not trying to prophesy individually to you and get in trouble. You've got to follow the own windward witness of the Holy Ghost and the timings of God yourself. But if something's been bubbling and you're not sure, well, it would seem to me that if the anointing is coming for an increase in the corporate side of things, the corporation, the business side of things, in the church it's to own the property and, 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 I, and for the church to grow physically, but also that would mean that your business can also see, see growth and see ownership. Whatever that means to you individually, claim it. Praise God. Hallelujah. He acquired a place to reign. This is no longer rental. Praise God. I'm not prophesying to you that if you're renting a property or a home that, 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 or a business that that's wrong. I'm just saying to you, God is looking for us to move up higher. Don't get condemned. Don't get down. Don't get sad. Take it where your own measure of faith is and be led by your own spirit. I'm just saying, generally speaking, God is trying to increase us. Even with these wonderful cameras that we've been renting uh, for a few hundred dollars every month, we've been renting. The Lord told me, he said, next year, I want you to stop that. Return them. He said, it's not just owning the building. It's owning what's in the building. He said, buy your own cameras. I said, well, Lord, I don't have $80,000 for the cameras. We're trying to get the building in our name. He says, well, then do a, rent, do a payment plan, but I want you to own them. He said, I want you to stop renting. So I, I'm looking through anything. I think we almost own everything in this building. At one point, we were renting all this. this, this we bought all this out. So we own all this musical equipment. Um, we, we don't have very few things, I think, other than, other than just the cameras. There might be a couple other. Peter, is there anything that you have that we rent? Just, the, just those nasty cameras. And they don't even make the people look that good anyway. Everybody's a little bit fatter on those cameras. But we're going to buy the good cameras. It takes five pounds off everybody. And when the person in lights, it takes 20 pounds off the person in lights. So that's the only thing that we rent, but we're getting rid of them. And we're going to, even if I have to do a payment plan, we're going to own. It's time to own. It's time to own. It's time to not pay the world anymore. It's time for us to get into to the, the, the driver's seat. You take that as you will. I'm not prophesying individually. I'm saying it corporately. If it applies to you, take it. Are you with me? Now look at number four. It's a personal thing. He lived among the people in Ziglag. We know he did because the Bible says in the caves he lived with them and in Ziglag he lived with them. He lived amongst his men. Remember, they were rotten scoundrels, distressed, in debt, bad attitudes, rebellious, beating each other up all the time. Criminals, violators of righteousness. He had to be close with them to knock that nonsense out of them and teach them the ways of the spirit, the ways of God, the ways of love, the ways of worship. But when a king comes, a king doesn't live in the barracks. You don't see any military general sleeping with the men. 
I said, Lord, what does that mean to me? He said, all this in the cabin between 2 and 6 a.m. August on that cruise. He said this to me, all what I'm sharing with you, he said it to me on that cruise. It was a very dramatic moment for me. And he said, you have lived, now just don't judge me. If you've got a problem with it, talk to Jesus. I didn't ask him to tell me this. He said, he had said to me in July, said to my wife a year before, it's time for a new home. I just said, well, keep believing, honey, because he hasn't said it to me yet. I need him to say it to me. But then in July, when I was in Brazil, in the hotel room, he said, now's the time. Yeah. So I called her from Brazil. I said, now's the time. My faith is with you. Up until now, you've been believing on your own, but my faith is with you. That was end of July. Now we're August 8th. It's, it's just a couple, less than a couple weeks later. And he's now talking to me. And I'm glad he told me that before that it was time for my new home because otherwise this word wouldn't have made much sense to me. But because he had told me a couple weeks before, it's time for a new home. Now number four out of seven, he says, now there was also personal increase. See, the, the, the ministry, the, the corporation uh, increased. He sat down on a throne. He obtained a place to rule from. That's our ownership of the building, right? But now he says, number four, individually, David increased. Privately, David increased because a king lives differently than a leader. Do you understand? I'm not trying to be arrogant and say that I'm a king in that regard. Okay, you don't need to call me your majesty or anything like that. I mean, if your Lord leads you to do it, then just go right ahead. But I'm just kidding. Obviously, you know I'm kidding. I don't have, I know just because you got you to gotta, you gotta tell people. There's a lady, I won't call her out, but she's here this morning. She came up to me. Uh, a couple days after I preached that Sunday sermon on the 3rd, she said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I, I just was bombarded the entire sermon. Just bombarded with thoughts the entire sermon against you. Thoughts of hatred. And she said, I love you. She said, but I just had these awful thoughts coming. And then she said, I'd even hear this voice. And they'd say, who does he think he is? How arrogant is your pastor that he would try to compare himself to great David? And she said, these thoughts just hammered her the whole service. And, and, and she said, and I, I said, what did you do? She said, I spoke to them. And I said, no, no, you don't. I know his heart. And that's not what he's saying. So I say that to say this. Some of you may hear some of this stuff and your thought will come to you and say, who does he think he is? What kind of an arrogant jerk is he that he would try to talk about kingship and all these things? I'm not talking physically. I'm talking things of the spirit. But some things of the spirit also happen to translate over into the physical realm. And in the physical realm, the building is going to be owned in this new season. And in the physical realm, I'm going to prosper personally in this new season. Not because I now tell the board that they have to give me an unusual raise beyond previous years. I have not done that. But God told me there's coming an increase personally. And then he said this, as David lived among the men in Ziglag, so I will remove you from the men... I'm going to give you a house of honor. That's how he phrased it. I'm going to give you a house of honor. Now, when, I, so when the guys helped me move, it came out of my spirit. Welcome to my Hebron house. But that came out of my spirit because I wouldn't have called it that. But he said, I'm giving you a house of honor, a house you can't afford. So I said, no, Lord, okay, this is number four. So you're giving me a house of honor? You're moving me out from, so I said, what do you mean you're moving me out from among the people? I don't understand that. He said, the neighborhood that you're in is very, da, 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 and it's very busy, and there's people on you all the time. You go out, the, the granny's sitting there smoking her weed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I saw her smoke something. I'm sure it was weed. 
she may be Muslim, but she's secular Muslim with her hijab on. I'm just saying those Muslims are full of devils just like everybody else without Jesus. You think that they're so holy and pure? They're not. They sin and they do all this stuff because they don't have righteousness inside of them. I don't know if it was weed or not, but I'm just saying, everywhere you just, you just got it, you just got them. They're just there. They're just there. And I said, but Lord, where are you going to send me? You're going to send me to another, where are you, Arctic? Where are you going to send me if I'm going to be removed among the people? He said, I'm going to give you, this is what he said to me on the boat. He said, I'm going to give you a new neighborhood. He said, I'm going to give you a neighborhood where your neighbor is not on top of you. He said, I'm going to give you land, physical land, a little more than what you got. And he said, I'm going to give you a nicer home because your children need more space. Amen. Now, he didn't say it, but I'm convinced that they will kill each other if they don't get more space. <laughs> now, he didn't say that. Praise God. But I just, I, I just know uh, it's building. Quinn and Cole, they're, they're, getting, they're working out. And they are not working out just to be handsome young men. They're working out because they want to beat each other up and they want to win the match. Why do you think they watch UFC? It's not just so that they can go, ooh, look at that. It's so that they can practice the moves on each other. They need more space. My God, we're, we're too crammed where we were living. Yeah. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do that. But well, that was August the 8th. And when was it? August the 20th? What? That we saw the home? 17th. August 17th. Wow. So that was nine days after that word. We, we, we pull and Jenny goes, it can't be that house. And I'm looking at the map and I'm looking at that. I said, it has to be that house. That's where the little, the little pin is on the map. And we walk in and it's got land our neighbors are not right on top of each other. It's got, uh, it's bigger. It's two and a half times bigger than where we used to live. The boys have their own, everybody has their own sinks, so now they can't accuse each other of leaving the toothpaste. Everybody has their own rooms. God, it was, it was impossible. Totally impossible. I don't make enough money. It's impossible. But God did three miracles. I shared it on a Wednesday night. I won't get into it now, but I shared it in detail on that Wednesday night a few weeks ago. He did three miracles. He had an angel watch over that property. That's right. And for months and months and months, nobody wanted it. This is such a nice house. Why does nobody want it? I don't understand. The angel was holding them off for me. I came. I signed the papers within one hour of signing the papers. The other agent told my agent, I heard it with my own ears. Strangest thing I've ever seen in all my years of real estate. I've never seen this. He said, within an hour of your client signing, he said, the phone rang off the hook. He said, I've got about six or seven offers that are bidding on a bidding war for the property. And I've told them, you might as well not bid because it's already sold. Oh, but they'll fall through. Oh, those other people will fall through. Let's just bid. I'm not falling through. But it, but it took a miracle to keep that property for us and they dropped the price by almost 200,000. See, that God will work things for you to get it to where you can afford it. I'm telling you. And then to get the mortgage approved was another miracle. She said, I've never in 25 years being a mortgage broker ever seen this happen. She said to me, this is miraculous. Her words. God did two, that was the second miracle. And the third, we had to sell our home in a record sale because the other people are waiting for us to default. The, new, the owners want us to default. Everybody except my agent and Jesus wants us to default because the owners are going to get way more money if we default because all these other people are, gonna, are bidding against it. And I said, Lord, I don't know how I've never sold a home before. <laughs> Jesus, help me. You see, you can't know you've got to go in faith. You wipe your tears away, Jesus. You, I need a third miracle. I need a third miracle from you. 
I need a third miracle. So the house goes up Wednesday at 5 p.m. and Friday at 7 p.m. It is sold a done deal, and by Monday at 5 p.m., not only was the everything, all the, all the clauses had been released, the inspection had been done, even the appraisal, and the real estate agent said, in 20 years of real estate, I have never seen something of this magnitude where every detail, everything, not one thing was left out. No, no, there was no clauses, there was no, nothing was left by Friday. So from Wednesday to Friday, when is that? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at four business days. From zero to a hundred. Three miracles. And I, and I wake up in my Hebron home. And I, and I look and I don't see any neighbors smoking weed. All I have is coyotes that try to eat the neighborhood dogs, which is a personal blessing to me because if, I, if that dog keeps pooping the way he's been pooping, I'm just going to let him out for a few hours to roam the neighborhood and the coyote's going to get him. The neighbor told me the coyotes have eaten two dogs in the last month. I said, praise God. I said, Oliver, you better listen up, buddy. One more pee on the carpet, you're out. You're going to be uh, Stouffer's frozen foods for coyotes. I'm telling you. I got to end my sermon. I have to get to the next point later. And, and the Lord said to me, he says, now I'm going to bless you with even what you haven't asked me for. And I said, but Lord, you've, you said you're going to give me a house away from the hustle and bustle. It sure is. We're in the snow belt. We're certainly away from all the hustle and the bustle. We're with the coyotes now, but I don't have people on my, I have my, I have space. I can, I can breathe. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with something you can't afford in the natural. I'm going to do a miracle for you because that's part of the Hebron anointing. Will you take it for you? If it applies to you, may not apply to everybody, but if it applies to you, take that because there's an anointing for this new season. I'm getting it in the overlapping before the season even starts, but you can get it. And the Lord says, now I'm going to bless you. And I remember saying, Lord, what do you mean you're going to bless me beyond what I've asked you for? Uh, You've given me the house. That's enough. And so it turned out that the lady that was, she's not a professional interior decorator, but she could be. And there isn't a professional interior decorator that takes counsel from her. She, She just naturally got it. And she decorated it. And Jenny walked in and goes, I want it, and I want it all. (laughs) Right? I said, Jennifer, I'm so lack of faith. I said, Jennifer, please just be grateful you got the house. What are you asking for all this stuff for? This is, this is covetousness. I'm rebuking her. She goes, it's not covetousness. I like it, and I want it. I want it all. And the Lord reminded me. He said, I told you I'd bless you with stuff you didn't ask for. I said, how are we going to do that? So we asked. We asked. Just four items, four out of the 200 items in the house, just four, they showed us the, 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 the proof, $60,000, just four of them, wow. plus dozens of others. The guy said, give them a good quote. Don't, off, don't give them a lowball quote. So I gave them the best quote I could, which my agent says, I don't know, that seems lowball, but just try it. <laughs> and the other agent argued with the people that he's trying to get the people more money. He's their agent. He said to them, don't quibble. These are good people. Give them the price they asked for. It was a quarter of what the value of the, of the furniture was. And they said, here it all is. 
Then they walked us through and they said, but you see all these paintings? They're about 12,000. We're going to take those. Oh. And you see that, that, that snowblower and the barbecue, not the snowblower, but the, the barbecue and different things? We're going to take all that with us. I said, listen, you've been so kind to us. Take whatever you want. I mean, thank you. You're leaving 98% of it. We walk in there. They left all the paintings. They left the barbecue. They left this. There was a beautiful trampoline that the boys love, a big trampoline. They said, we're going to take the trampoline. That's about $4,000. I said, take it, please. You've been so kind to us. We get there. The trampoline is left for us. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you more than you asked for, son. I'm, try, I'm not bragging. I'm trying to tell you, this is the anointing for this new season. This is called favor. This is called angels whispering, whispering. And we're walking through. <laughs> we got to. We got to close. We're, I'm walking through and the other agent's wife, who is the interior decorator, who takes counsel from the owner. She's, she's, I can tell she's upset. Remember? She's upset that she's being so generous with us. You remember that? And I could just, you can just tell like she's just, she's like, yeah, yeah, everything in this room, give them. And she's like, she writes it down. And I can tell she don't want her to be generous. And she'd sometimes make suggestions. Well, I don't know about that. And under my breath, I said, I bind you, foul devil. No, because it's demons. I said, I bind you. I said, angels, I release you. If you can't get over to this woman who's writing it, get over to the owner because she's the boss. And at times she'd just pause and go, I don't know why. Just give them this too. And I said, that's an angel speak, influencing her, influencing her, influencing her. And that other lady was... And she wanted all the alcohol, the booze, the, the, the lady who's writing, the agent's wife. And she says, uh, well, you know, do you want the alcohol? And I, and I hear, I feel her, she stiffens up because she wants it so bad. And I said, you know what? Why don't you give the alcohol? Give all your booze to her. I said, because we don't drink. Oh, she was so like, I was her best friend then. Write that down. Very good, thank you. She got, I don't know how many bottles of liquor and wine and all this stuff. She even gave me three Buddhas. Four Buddhas, but I'm shooting them through the head and then I'm burning their ashes. I'm taking them up to the, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have some fun with that devil. Praise God. And I'm not taking that out of live stream, Peter. So don't ask me later, pastor, should we take that out? Lest we offend somebody. Buddha's a demon. I'm going to shoot him through the head. Okay. The demon I can't, but the figure I can. And my, my children, I'm ending with this. I'm trying to end. I'm ending with this. My children said to me, my little ones, they said to me for over a year, my wife, mommy and daddy, we want a fort. Mommy and daddy, we want a fort. A tree house or a fort. We want a fort. And we walk in there. These are very wealthy people, the ones that own the home. They're multimillionaires. They have four properties in the States. So they're very rich people. And they walk in and they said, and there's this huge fort that they built, handmade, like tailor-made for them. Not something you pick in a catalog. Uh, the guy that laid the NBA floor the, in, in down Air Canada Center, the guy that the company that laid that floor came and laid a special floor so that if you fall, you, you, you don't hopefully die. It's like a special cushioned floor. So it's $20,000 for that fort that they gave us for free. And I showed my boys and I said, Caleb and Luke, remember you asked Jesus for a fort? Yes, daddy. I said, go over there. Oh, they took off running to their fort. And the trampoline. And then my boys love basketball. They said, Daddy, they've been asking me for a basketball hoop for a long time. And I said, I ain't buying no basketball hoop. We're going to borrow the neighbor's basketball hoop. <laughs> and so the neighbor has a basketball hoop. You know the one where all the, all the big uh, bricks and stuff are on the back. 
you know, and, and the thing is kind of ratty and, you know, but how many times, Quinn and Cole, if we played basketball on that hoop, sometimes the neighbor didn't want us to play, so he'd park his car there, <laughs> you know, we'd try to still play, the ball would hit on his car, I felt so guilty, but, but you know, I am buying no basketball hoop, I don't got no $2,000 for no basketball hoop, I'm going to pay for food. <laughs> basketball. Go borrow the neighbor's basketball. And we walk in there and, <laughs> and the Lord said, remember I told you I'm going to give you more than what you asked for? I said, yes, sir. He said, I've given your sons. He's talking about the older two. I've given your sons a gift. I said, what, Lord? And he showed me. And we pulled into the driveway and there's a professional basketball. They drilled into the ground, poured concrete. And the guy that made Drake's personal basketball net in his property. Right. I don't know who Drake is, but apparently he's very famous. <laughs> but the guy that made Drake's basketball net on his property made this basketball net. And the lady said, do you want me to get Drake's to sign? I says, well, have him come to the house and sign the basketball net. I don't want a napkin or something. What am I going to do with that? I don't even know who he is. I said, just have him come to the house. He can sign it. She goes, no, I can't have him do that. But he's the one that built that $12,000 for that basketball net and the grounding, going into the, deep into the ground. And I looked and I said, now Coley, now, now you've got no excuses. Look what Jesus did for you. He did more for us than we asked. He's even provided coyotes <laughs> to deal with Oliver. I mean, exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, no, I'm telling you. Oh, and this last thing, because I know your chicken's burning. I got to go. But last thing, I said, I said, what are those things on the roof? And the man says, oh, yeah, I don't know. I had a crazy idea. I don't know why I did it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know why you did it. Jesus had you do it for me, buddy. So he's got all these panels, solar stuff on his roof. And so he shows me the receipt. And he says, yeah, he says, I make $500 a month. They pay me. Yeah. He doesn't have a Hydro One bill because half the panels pay for his consumption. The other half go back to Hydro One and he gets paid $6,000. He showed me the thing. They deposit $6,000 a year into his bank account for supplying energy to the city of Aaron. And it's a 20-year contract. He's only been in it three years. He says, so here's 6,000 times 17 years for you. And he handed me the contract. And so we're in the process of saying, Hydro One, come on, come on, come on. Listen, Lorraine, I need that just to pay the gas to get to the church. <laughs> the gas bill is so much higher. I need to buy another electric car so I don't have to buy gas anymore. My God. But even that, the Lord knew that the cost would be higher. And he paid for it. The sun is paying for my gas. S-U-N, not S-O-N, but S-O-N as well. But the sun is paying for my gas. Is the sun paying for your gas? He's paying for my gas. See, that's, ask, that's giving me more than what I asked for. See, this anointing and this season, he told me, he said, this is your Hebron house. I can't wait to see what the Jerusalem house looks like. He said, this is your Hebron house. He said, now this anointing will work for them if they'll claim it. If they'll stand and be faithful. See, you can't just claim it and live like the devil. You have to follow my example. You have to be faithful. You have to be rightly connected. You have to guard your heart. You have to live right. You have to be a tither. You have to treat your wife right. You've got to, do, you've got to live right for this to work for you. But if you're living right and you claim it, I'm telling you this private increase will work for you because I am coming into, I'm a child of Hebron, Jenny. I, and the blessing of Hebron, the blessing of God in the season of Hebron is on my life.
and it's supposed to be on your life if you're part of the church to start to claim it it will work for you that's four of seven i'll tell you the other three next sunday plus the jerusalem seven father i bless them lord i'm sorry for taking so long but i just i i enjoy lord i'm not in any way trying to brag i'm not in any way trying to lift me up father you know that this has got nothing to do with me i couldn't even afford the house let alone anything else Lord, you did this for me as a miracle. You blessed me where I could not do it in my own strength. And with my own budget, you supernaturally moved upon the hearts of men to do move me into my Hebron miracle. And on top of that, you gave me thing after thing after thing that I didn't ask you for, that I could never have imagined. You blessed my children. You blessed my wife and me. Lord, I'm, I'm a blessed man. And it's not because I'm so good. It's because you are so good and faithfulness has brought me into a new Hebron season. And that season has a hire of the blessing of God on it. And they have a right to it, Father. They have a right to it as the members of this church. They have a right to flow in the blessings of that season. It might take them a certain period of time that might be different to my period of time. Their factors may be a little bit different. Lord, their measure of faith may be different. I don't know all the ins and outs of every person's situation, but I do know this. You told me if they're a child of the mantle and a child of Hebron, and if they choose to, they can claim this anointing. It will work for them. So I thank you, Father. Let them do it today. Thank you for that new anointing, that new authority. Thank you, Father, for that new promotion and publicity. Thank you, Father, for this building, this business side of things of ownership. Thank you, Father, for the personal side of things of ownership and of increase. I can't wait, Father, for next Sunday to tell them the others because the best is yet to come for me to share what, what more is coming. But I thank you for today's service. Bless them, strengthen them, help establish them, Father. Help them stay with me and stay close and guard their hearts and guard their minds and not get separated. The devil wants to separate from their divine supply. But if you've called them to this church, if you've told them I'm their pastor, let them guard that relationship like I guard mine with Pastor Nancy. I thank you, Father, for it. I bless them and I bless this congregation. Let this word sink deep into their hearts. Let it take root and let it bear fruit in Jesus' name. I give you praise.